Praise the Lord. You may be seated. I want to ask you to open your Bibles this morning to the book of uh, Matthew chapter 28. But what I want to talk to you about this morning is not just the resurrection of Jesus, but what what we want to talk about is the power of the resurrection of Jesus. Could somebody shout out power? power? See, I say this all the time, and I'll probably say it all the time till Jesus returns. But if all Jesus did was forgive me of my sin, if that's all that he did was pay the price and die on that cross so I could know him as my Lord and Savior, I couldn't praise him enough. I couldn't worship him enough. Almost 30 years ago, I walked into a church, nothing like this, uh, a handful of people, but I walked into that church, a drug addict, a heroin addict, But I walked out of that church born again, a child of the living God. And we can't thank him enough for our salvation. Can I have a real loud amen? Amen. I didn't walk out religious. I I am 30 years later. I am not religious. religious. Religion makes me nervous. But I want to share with maybe you're here for the first time or maybe you're watching by television somewhere around the world. What we're celebrating here this morning and what people are celebrating literally all over the world, I guarantee you it's not just another religion. A religion is something we think about God, but a relationship is what you and I have because we've met God because of Jesus Christ, our Lord and our Savior. Can I have a real loud amen on that? And so I want to talk to you this morning about the power of his resurrection. Read with me in the book of Matthew chapter 28 and verse 1. Now after the Sabbath, as the first day of the week began to draw, Mary Magdalene and other, the other Mary came to see the tomb. And behold, there was a great earthquake, quake, for an angel of the Lord descended from heaven and came and rolled back the stone from the door and sat on it. His countenance was like lightning and his clothing as white as snow. And the guards shook for fear of him because... Uh, And became like dead men. But the angel answered and said to the women, Do not be afraid, for I know that you seek Jesus who was crucified. He's not here, for he has risen, and he said, Come and see the place where the Lord had laid. And go quickly and tell his disciples that he has risen from the dead. And indeed, he's going before you into Galilee. There you will see him. Behold, I have told you. Now, this is a scripture that is being taught, I pray, all over the world today about not the death of Jesus, but the resurrection of Jesus. And I know you've heard a thousand times, but it's not the death of Jesus that matters so much. Many, many people call themselves prophets or sons of God. But the difference with Jesus is he is the only one that defeated death But he didn't just defeat death for himself. He defeated death for every one of us sitting here and everybody watching all over the world by television. Can I have an amen? And so we could teach on this all morning, but I don't want to start here. I want to stop here. So I want to go with you a week before this Sunday. 2,000 years ago, on the first day of the week, or what we call now Sunday, We know the story where Jesus came riding in to Jerusalem on a donkey. 
And I want you to picture what goes on because we've, we've seen paintings and we've heard the story about Jesus coming riding in on a donkey and the people began to shout and the people began to wave palms. But I want you to realize why this took place. Many people had heard at the Mount of Olives that Jesus was coming. But when he got to Jerusalem, the streets were lined with people with palms in their hands. Have you ever wondered why they were already there? The reason was is because this time of year, the high priest had gone to the desert and gotten an unblemished lamb. And the people knew that when they brought that lamb into the temple and that lamb died and the blood of that lamb was shed, that all their sins would be washed away for a whole nother year. And so the people were sliding the streets. They're waiting for their redemption. They're waiting for the high priest to bring in a lamb of God. And all of a sudden, not a four-legged lamb come riding in, but a lamb riding in on a donkey. And with a, by the miracle of God, by the revelation of God, they realized that this was the one-time human Lamb of God. If we took time this morning and studied like we did at Passover the other night, Exodus chapter 12, it's the story of Israel coming out of Egypt. And God said, I want you to take the blood of the Lamb and I want you to put it on the door. And when I see the blood of that Lamb, I will stand in front of your door. I will spread my wings over you and your family and I will forbid the angel of death. Not just physical death, but he said, I will forbid the angel that comes to destroy your home. I'll forbid him from coming in. I will stand guard over racism. I will stand guard over disease and sickness. I will stand guard over poverty and debt. I will stand in front of your door when I see the blood of the lamb. Somebody shout amen. And we won't take time this morning to teach this, but if you, if you have a moment, go home and, and read Exodus chapter 12 because it says something very, very, very powerful. It first, through Moses, God says, I want you to find a lamb. And I want this lamb to be without spot or blemish. And when you, then when you find the lamb, when you go and you see a flock, it has to be a lamb without any spot, without any blemish. And it goes from a lamb to the lamb. And that, that the lamb has to be the firstborn of that flock. And so if they went to a flock, they would look at the firstborn. And if it had spot or blemish, they'd have to go to another flock. And if it had spot or blemish, they'd have to go to another flock until they found the firstborn of each flock that was without spot or without blemish. So Jesus comes riding in on a donkey. They are waiting for the lamb. They are waiting for a lamb, but Jesus comes riding in and Exodus chapter 12 is fulfilled because it goes from a lamb to the lamb, it goes to our lamb. And Jesus wasn't just a lamb, and he wasn't even just the lamb, but through the cross of Calvary, he became our lamb and our lamb of God forever. Can I have an amen? But I want you to see something. As the people standing in the street recognized that Jesus was the Lamb of God. He was our Lamb coming to redeem us by His blood. There were many of them there that were a little confused. If you notice, Jesus came riding in on a donkey, not on a horse. Roman, the Jewish people were used to Roman occupation. 
and the leaders and the generals and the triumphant didn't come riding in on a donkey because a donkey was a sign of a servant. But on a horse, it was a sign of a king, a conqueror, a ruler. And Jesus come riding in on the donkey and they recognized him. This is our Lamb of God. But there was confusion because he didn't come riding in like a king. He came riding in as a servant. Even though he is not just a king, but Jesus Christ is the king of all kings. But the reason why that is is because he came as the Lord of lords and the king of kings to serve us on the cross of Calvary. As you notice, they began to wave palms. Once again, the Roman influence. Palms was the sign of a conqueror coming in for a battle that's been won. They began to wave these palms and they began to shout out, Hosanna, which means in Hebrew, our salvation. But they were looking for a king that would come in, defeat their enemy. They were looking for a king that would come in, dethrone Rome, to push out the enemies of Israel. But what they didn't realize is Jesus was coming to do that very thing. But they didn't realize that he came not to battle with flesh and blood, but with principalities and powers and rulers of darkness in high places. So Jesus, the servant of all, the one who would kneel and wash his disciples' feet, the one who came and said, he who serves is the greatest of all, Not walking around like we're somebody. Not walking around with an ego, with a pride. Not walking around like unfortunate we we see in Christianity today where we can't touch the man of God or we can't touch the woman of God. No, Jesus went in amongst the people because he said, I want you to know the kingdom of God is here to serve you as you serve it. Somebody give the Lord a clap offering. The people were a little confused because they knew, according to their prophecies, at this time on the calendar, the Messiah was going to come. A lot of Christians don't understand because we've never read the rabbinical teachings. But a lot of, a lot of us need to hear that when, when they looked for the coming of the Messiah, now I want you to listen to this. When they looked for the coming of the Messiah, according to their prophetic calendar, 2,000 years ago, they believed in all their heart that the Messiah was coming. As they gather together in Israel right now, as we've talked last Easter on this, very, on this resurrection day, we had nine Orthodox Jews sitting in the front row from the Israeli Senate. And they came because they heard we were teaching about a Jewish Jesus. We were teaching about a Jewish Messiah. These nine men had never been in a church in their entire lives. These are Orthodox Jews. And to them, the church is the enemy. To them, the Jesus that we've been teaching is the cause of their problems. But they heard what we were teaching, so they came in, and you could see the looks on their faces because all of a sudden they didn't didn't know it because they're not going by our calendar. They realized they were walking into the very first church service in their lives, and we're here to celebrate the resurrection of Jesus. By the time we were done and we explained who Jesus was, that Jesus didn't come from Dallas, Jesus didn't come from Rome, Jesus didn't come from Athens, but Jesus came to the very place he's about to come back to. He came from Israel to connect us to the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Seven out of these nine Orthodox Jews took communion with us that morning because they heard of a Jewish Messiah. 
We sat up upstairs afterwards. We had to bring a rabbi in to make the room kosher and all the food kosher. These are Orthodox Jews who are looking for the coming of the Messiah. And one of the leaders of the, of the Senate said to me with tears in his eyes, he said, Pastor Larry, I know the Bible. He said, I know the word of God. I know the prophets said that this day would come, but I never thought I would see it. Would you come to Israel and tell us about this Jewish Jesus? See, we need to realize that at the first coming of Jesus, many of the rabbis taught that there would actually be two messiahs. The first one would come and he would be the prince of peace. The second messiah would come and he would come as the king of all kings. The first messiah would come and he would bring peace. But the second messiah would come not on a donkey, but this time on a horse. And he would come with an army. And folks, that's exactly what is about to happen. You and I are waiting for the same Messiah that Israel is waiting for right now. And he's going to come on a white horse. And he's going to have the sword in his hand. And he is going to set up the kingdom of God forever and ever and ever. And you and I will be with him in that army. Somebody give him praise. Come on, somebody give him praise. Another thing we need to realize is that as the people of Israel were waiting for the lamb to come in, that lamb always came in on what we call now Sunday, but in those days it was called the first day. And they would bring the lamb in. This would be a lamb that would wash the sins away, that would bring God's forgiveness and the blessing of God into the land of Israel. As they would bring that lamb in on that first day, By evening, that lamb would be tied on the temple steps, and he would be examined for four days. The high priest, the people, would walk by and look at that lamb, and they would look for a flaw. They would look for a blemish. They would look for a fault. But if that lamb was found without any blemish, without any fault after four days, Then on the Passover, that lamb would be sacrificed and they would take the blood of that lamb and they would cover the children of Israel with all the powers and all the promises and all the covenants of Abraham. I don't believe, I know it's not a coincidence that on that same day that they were waiting for that four-legged lamb, in came the eternal lamb, Jesus. And if you read the scriptures, that for four days they examined Jesus. The Bible says that for four days, on Monday, the high priests would examine him, and they would try to trick him. And if they said on their own lips, we find no fault in him. If you read what Herod says, when they took Jesus before Herod, he said, I find no blemish in this lamb. If you look at what Pilate said, he said, take him away from me. I find no fault in this lamb. For four days, they wanted to see, could this be the lamb of God? Could this be the Son of God? Could this be the sacrifice of God? And no matter what they asked him, no matter how they tried to trick him, they confessed with their own mouth, we find no fault in him. Oh, I'm here to tell you, whether you're sitting here or you're watching by television, when you accept Jesus Christ, he is the unblemished. 
He is the lamb without any fault. And he is the lamb that doesn't have to shed his blood every year. But if you accept him today, his blood will wash our sins away. And the blessing of God will be on our lives every day through Jesus Christ. Somebody give the Lord a clap offering and praise him. If you look, he came in on Sunday. Monday, they tested him. Tuesday, they tested him. Wednesday, they tested him. Thursday, they tested him and could find no fault. They tried to trick him with a prostitute and judgment. They tried to trick him with questions of the law. They tried to trick him with, with, with any way they could to find any fault, but they couldn't because Jesus was and Jesus is the Passover lamb. Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday. Come sundown, Jesus sends Peter and one of the disciples to go prepare Passover. I think a lot of times when we talk about the Last Supper, we haven't been schooled that the Last Supper that we talk about, where we get what we call communion, what that was was the Passover meal. And Jesus sat and he with the disciples as we did on Thursday. And he showed him the lamb, the bone of the lamb, where no bone in his body would be broken. They showed him the blood and they showed him the unleavened bread. And he showed him all those things that they'd been doing since the time of Moses. And they knew that Jesus was the fulfillment of that Passover lamb. But a lot of people miss from that day to the cross and they miss so much of what Jesus did for us. I want to say once again, almost 30 years ago, I walked into the church a drug addict. And I walked out of that church, not religious, but a born-again child of God. People ask me all the time, they say, Larry, why did you leave Portland? And I said, the answer is simple. God told me to go to Dallas. They said, you're 55 years old. You were building a church. You were debt-free. Why would you leave? Because... Jesus died for me, and I have no choice but to obey him and live for him. My life is not my own. But that's not a negative thing. That's a great thing because whatever Jesus asks us to do, it's to bring us life and that life more abundant. He died for us so that we can live in victory for him. He's come not just to forgive us of our sin, but to give us life and that life more abundant. If all Jesus did was die, he could have died anywhere. But Jesus shed his blood. And we are redeemed by the blood of the Lamb. I know you've heard me say this before, but I want you to think about that word redeemed. We are deemed again. We are redeemed. What that simply means is is that at one time, we were children of all the power and all the blessing of God. We were children who were not to be touched by the sins or the curses of this world. And so when the Bible says we're redeemed, we're seen again as the children of all of God's goodness. I want you to think about that. Not just, well, you're saved and I hope you make it. I hope to see you in heaven. If that were the case, then he could have died anywhere. But he had to get to the cross, and on the journey to the cross, he had to redeem us by his blood. blood. And that's why I know it's not a coincidence this morning that the very first place that Jesus shed his blood was not at the cross, but the very first place Jesus shed his blood was in a garden called Gethsemane. The Bible says that we lost all of our blessings 
when one man disobeyed God. God said to Adam and Eve, not in the Garden of Gethsemane, but in the garden called Eden. God said to Adam, see all of this? This is all yours. The rabbis teach us that when we stand before God, do you know what the first question he'll ask us is? The first question, the rabbis teach that there are three questions that God will ask us. But he said, you know what the first question is? God, our Father, will say to us, did you enjoy your life? Did you enjoy the world? I made it just for you. You know, religion teaches us that we're not to enjoy a beautiful home, or we're not to enjoy a beautiful car, we're not to enjoy financial breakthrough. But I believe that's why the wealth of the wicked has been laid up for the righteous, that our eyes will be open and we'll say, you know what? Our dad owns this. My dad owns the cattle on a thousand hills. The earth is the large and the fullness thereof. Do you know what that means? Everything in here, I don't care who you work for, our Father owns it. And it's our Father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. Somebody shout amen. That's why I know it's not a coincidence that the very first place that Jesus shed his blood was in a garden called Gethsemane. Because thousands of years before, Adam said, Father, not your will, but mine be done. And in the garden called Eden, we lost all of our blessing. So a week before the resurrection, Jesus comes riding in. For four days, they test him. On the fifth day, on the evening of the fourth day, he tells them that he is the Passover lamb. And then he says, I need to go and pray. And we see the picture of Jesus kneeling in the garden. And I want you to realize that as Jesus knelt in that garden, there wasn't just one person in Jesus that day, but there were two. Jesus was the Son of God, is the Son of God. He is the Messiah. He is the King of kings. He is the Lord of lords. By no other name can a man be saved. No man goes to the Father but through him. We can't go to the Father because we're baptized. We can't go to the Father because we're good. We can't go to the Father because we give. We can't go to the Father for anything we do. We can only go to the Father because of what Jesus did for us. He paid the price so we could be set free. Can I have an amen? But at the same time, not only is Jesus the Son of God, he's also a man. He's a man like you and I. Last night, Tiz and I and, and, and Anna, or Katie rather, last night we watched on TV the story of the passion. And it's healthy for me to watch that. For me to be reminded what Jesus did and the price he paid for me. When I was a heroin addict, he looked at me and said, I'll pay the price for you. Being the son of God, he knew what they were going to do to him. Being the son of God, he knew that if he said yes to God's plan, so you and I could enjoy the power of his resurrection, that they would come and arrest him. They would spit in his face. They would take the beard and rip the skin from his chin. They would kick him and beat him. They would take that cat of nine tails and whip him till his bones and organs hung from his body. They would mock him. They would shove a crown of thorns with three and a half inch spikes into his skull. 
They would accuse him of being a devil. They would condemn him. They would drag him to Calvary, nail him to a tree, and then he would take all my sin on his life. You see, being the son of God, he knew what they were going to do. And so as he prayed in that garden, the first thing that came out was the prayers of a man. As Jesus knelt, not this time in the Garden of Eden, but in a garden called Gethsemane. He knew what they were going to do, and he cried out, Father, Father, if there be some other way, I don't want to do this. Take this cup from me. But I can't help but think he saw a drug addict walking into a church with no hope, no way out. And the Spirit of God came over Jesus, and he said, Nonetheless, Father, not my will, but thine be done. And at that moment, give him praise, give him praise. And the Bible says at that moment, Jesus began to sweat great drops of blood. Literally, not figuratively. Literally, Jesus began to sweat blood. I was watching a discovery program, and it was a doctor. They were interviewing doctors, and every one of them said, I've seen people sweat blood. One doctor said, he's a, I believe he was a doctor at a great hospital in New York. He said, I've seen over 100 people sweat blood. We come in and tell them, it's cancer, there's no hope. We come in and tell them, I'm sorry, your child has no hope. We come in and tell them, I'm sorry, but your loved one is gone. And their bodies can't take it, their emotions can't take it. And the doctor said that below the the skin, the blood vessels from the tension and the fear and the trauma, it it explodes and literally out out of the pores, where normally sweat would come, they would begin to sweat drops of blood. Jesus knew what he was going to go through. He said himself, he said, no one takes my life. I give it freely. I want you to realize that, that God loves you so much that he sent his son Jesus. But Jesus loves you so much. But you say, oh, Pastor Larry, you don't know what I've done. Listen, it doesn't matter if you're hearing this in a church pew It doesn't matter if you're hearing this in a prison cell. God loves you so much that he gave his only begotten son. Jesus said, Father, not my will, but thine be done. Say, well, Pastor Larry, what does the blood in this case mean to us? When I walked into church almost 30 years ago, I walked into drug dealer. I walked into church, I walked in, needle marks up and down my arms. I walked in with long hair and earrings and tattoos and no shoes on and no shirt, a poncho. I'd just, I, I'd just come back from living in Columbia, South America. I had federal warrants out for my arrest, been selling to a drug deal, a, a, a narcotics agent. They, they were, the police were looking for me, but I thank God that Jesus was looking for me too. 
There's a saying in the, in the world, you'll never change. You'll never change. Once a junkie, always a junkie. You'll never get rid of your anger. You'll never get out of debt. You'll never break poverty. While the world will always be divided by color, the world says you'll never change. When I received the Lord, I called back to my family and I told them I'm going to church. This this sounds a little bit funny, but a lot of my friends thought they heard I was in church and we were doing missions trips to Mexico. They were convinced I was still in the import-export business. (laughs) True. Using the church as a way. They sent some out to check on what I was doing. Guess what? They walked in the night I was sharing my testimony. They became preachers. You can't run. You can't hide. He loves us too much. When I came home to get, to get my things, I couldn't even go to my own home because my father had thrown me out, rightfully so. I was, I was a horrible person, a drug addict. I called my mom and told her I was in town. My mom had gone to church. And folks, what I'm talking about this morning is not a religion. It's not just going to church. It's meeting the Son of God that will change your life forever. I got into South St. Louis and called my mom and said, I'm here. She came over because I wasn't allowed at home to see me. And when my mom walked into that house, she burst into tears. She'd gone to church when she was younger. She'd been religious. But she looked at me and she said, you're changed. She told me these words. She said, I figured the next time I would see you would be in your casket. Because the world says once a junkie, always a junkie. Has the world told you you won't change? Has the enemy whispered in your ear, there's no hope for you? The world may say we won't change. But the word of God says, who the sun sets free is free indeed. Somebody give him praise. Jesus didn't just come to forgive us of our sin. But from that week that he rode in, they tested him and found no fault. He told his disciples, I'm the Passover lamb. He gave his life. As he went from that garden where they arrested him, they made him walk a road of suffering. If you go to Israel with me, and I pray that you do, we'll walk that road. We'll stop every place that Jesus shed his blood. The name of that road, you'll see it on the signs of those ancient buildings. It's called the Via Dolorosa, the way of suffering. I picture my Lord with that cross on his back the splinters in his skin, the soldiers mocking him and spitting on him. And I can picture that cross. It's a long way. We'll, we'll, go, we'll go to the Garden of Gethsemane, and we'll pray, and we'll release the prophecy of God. Adam said, Father, not your will. But Jesus said, Father, not my will. From that, from that garden... They arrested him. 
It's a long walk up to where he was beaten by his stripes we were healed. It's a long walk to where they took the crown of thorns and shoved it into his brow to break the curse of poverty. It's a long walk uphill through those stone streets to where they nailed him to that cross. I've been there so many times, but as I walk that, I can picture Jesus dragging that car. That's a, that's, that's a small thing. That's just a, a small replica. It had to be big enough to hold his whole, the weight of his body. And as he's dragging that up, he's falling. And every time he falls, it digs into his wounded body, and they beat him, and they kick him. And anywhere along the way, he could have said, it's, no, it's enough. I'm done. But I know he kept saying, Father, give me strength. Father, give me a little more strength. I've got to get to the cross. Because he didn't just die for us, but he took every curse upon him. Because cursed is he who hangs on the tree. And let me just share one more thought. How much does God love you? There's no, wor- there's no words to explain it. When I got saved, and I know this bothers church people, But I want you to know my heart. When I received Jesus, I didn't get saved because I was afraid of going to hell. I was a street guy. I was a tough guy. Didn't even believe in hell. I received the love of God because I was tired of living in hell. And somehow I knew he would bring me peace. Is that okay to tell you? How much... Does the Lord Jesus love you? They beat him. They ripped him apart. They humiliated him. And as he was nailed to this cross, even then, his compassion showed forth. He looks down at his mother and said, Mom, it's going to be all right. I, I, I kissed a, a baby seven weeks old. Can you imagine watching that baby for the next 33 years and then seeing it nailed to that tree? I was walking down the hall and my grand sugars come and they saw me and mom and dad said, come on, we got to go to kid zone. And, and they see me go, they, and they come running up. And I was about to come out and love on you, but I had to stop and love on them. Can you imagine if the father said, Larry, would you sacrifice them? Would you give them so that everyone else could be set free? I don't know that I could do that. I don't think I could. But as Jesus hung his mother, tears streaming down her face, Jesus said, Mom, don't worry about me. And he said, you'll be all right. And he said, woman... Behold your son. He said of the John, his beloved. And John, behold your mother. Even though I'm going, John will take care of you. And a thief on the right mocked him and said, Prove to us you're the son of God. Come on down. Prove to us. But he didn't care about himself. And you know what? He could have. He could have said, 
Father, they're not worthy of me. I can't do it anymore. But he stayed up. And then a thief on the left said, Rabbi, would you remember me when you enter into your kingdom? He said, I deserve this. Guys, I was a drug addict. I was a thief and a robber. Jesus didn't tell me, get cleaned up before you come to my house. Jesus said, this is a come as you are party. Come on in. Come on in. Come on in. Rabbi, remember me when you enter in your kingdom. This thief never had a chance to do one good thing. He never had a chance to say one more prayer, to give one offering, to help one person. Amazing grace. How sweet the sound. And Jesus looked at this man and said, This day you will be with me in paradise. Oh, that we may today, Lord, experience the power of his resurrection. We don't worship a bunny who lays chocolate eggs. We worship a God who rose again. Would you give him praise and give him glory this morning? Would you give him praise? Just take a moment. Take a moment. Come on. Come on. Don't be quick. Just take a moment and thank him. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord, for your grace. Thank you, Lord, for your love. Thank you, Lord, for the price you paid. Come on, take a moment and give him praise. Come on, church. Come on. God inhabits the praises of his people. Once I was a sinner and Jesus set us free. Come on, give him praise. Don't give him a little pat. I want you to lift up your hands. I want you to shout unto him. Give him a resurrection. Give him a thank you, Lord, you rose again. David said these words. He said, Lord, remind me of the pit from which I was dug. Not to be condemned about our past. Our sins are washed away. Folks, I'm going to tell you something. I have done things before I knew Jesus that nobody knows. I was full of violence, full of hatred and anger. But I pray every day, Lord, don't let me forget that I was lost. I didn't find Jesus. He wasn't lost. Jesus found me. Jesus found me. I want you to claim today, Lord, not only am I saved, but every curse is broken. Jesus walked the road of suffering so you and I could have life more abundant. An interesting scripture in Acts where the Bible says that after the resurrection, the father fulfilled the prophecy that he had begotten 
Jesus. And when you first read that, you think, well, that's strange. Doesn't God say in John chapter 1 that Jesus was the only begotten Son of God? How could after the resurrection he begotten or born again? Because after he walked that Via Della Rosa and they nailed him to that cross, we need to remember the words that Jesus said on that day. It's powerful. Eli, Eli, Lama Sabak, Ani. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Peter denied him, his disciples denied him. Some of the people that he'd healed and delivered, they denied him. But now the, the, the battle greater than the whip, greater than the crown of thorns, greater than the nails, comes on our Savior. Eli, Eli, my God, my God. Lama Sabak, why have you, Ani, forsaken me? For the first time in eternity, the father turns his face away from his son. So he can find me with all my drugs and all my hate. He turned from his son so he could see us. And then he said, it's finished. Jesus Christ paid such a price because he loves us so very much. Why have Tiz and I moved to Dallas? Why did we take a chance of leaving everything? I was in the back room with Benny, and Benny said, Hen, after the service, he said, I heard what God's doing, Larry. It was just a year and a half ago, I was doing his television program, and they said, Benny wants to see you in the back, and I walked in, and Benny said, it's time for you to leave Portland. We're building a building. We're debt-free. We're $15 million into it. I said, what? He said, Larry, God will touch the world, but he can't do it from Portland. As, as wonderful as Portland is, it's, it's, it's way up there. And I said, well, I got some folks invited me to Arizona. I got some folks invited me to California. And he said, God wants you in Dallas. I said, Dallas? He said, God will touch the world from Dallas. I believe that's going to happen. I went to, Tiz was there. We went home and prayed. We went to our sons and our daughters, our grandbabies, and said, we want you to sacrifice your home. We want you to sacrifice your friends and your jobs. Let's get out of the boat and let's walk on water because I believe Jesus will meet us there. What a wonderful God we serve. What a wonderful God we serve. I believe this in all my heart. 
I pray it doesn't happen. I know it won't happen. But if God told us to go do it again, and we won't, he won't, he won't, he won't. My life is not my own. Everything in my life is not my own. We didn't, I'm going to tell you this, I know I've gone long. But just when they sing that Via Dolorosa, and I picture that Jesus walking down the, 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 down through the crowd, and they're whipping him, and, 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 and he could have stopped at any time. He could have said no, but he didn't for you and I. We haven't come just to build another church. We've come to build an army that will turn the world upside down for the gospel of Jesus Christ. And I believe God's doing that. It would be not right in any way, shape, or form that the day that we celebrate the resurrection of our Lord, we didn't give a chance for that resurrection power to come into someone's life. Whether you're here in the building or you're watching by television. Remember the scripture that I opened up with? On this day, around 2,000 years ago, the women came to the tomb and they found the stone was rolled away. And I know I keep saying this, but I pray you'll go to Israel with me. We'll sit in that garden tomb. There is, there is no place on earth that the peace of God is like that on that little patch of green grass. And when they got to the tomb, an angel was sitting on the stone. And he said these words, remember, I know who you're looking for. And then they said, he's not in there. The Lord spoke that to me almost 30 years ago. I was looking for something. I looked into heroin. I looked into cocaine. I looked into running around. You know the story. Everywhere we've looked, it doesn't fit because that hole is only in the shape of Jesus Christ. It's the only thing that'll fit. The only thing. You may say that you came today or you're watching by television just by an accident or somebody invited you or you were going through the channel and just happened to stop but it's not an accident but can I change that scripture by the spirit and prophetic utterance of God I know who you're looking for and he is here right now he is here right now If we could have every head bowed and every eye closed, no one looking around. He is exactly who you're looking for. And today, he's found you. His heads are bowed and eyes are closed and no one's looking around. Downstairs, up in the balcony. Just in your seat, you'd say, Pastor Larry, I've never received Jesus as my Lord and Savior. Or maybe you have and something's happened, you kind of fell away. You're kind of like the prodigal son, the prodigal daughter. Today, you're coming back to your senses. And dad's going to come running off the porch 
and throw his arms around your neck. Maybe you're watching by television. This invitation is to you too. God has ordained this day. Today is the day of salvation. As every head is bowed, every eye is closed, no one's looking around. You say, Pastor, on this Resurrection Sunday, I want that in my life. I want to give my life or rededicate my life to the kingdom of God, to the Father, through Jesus Christ. And lift your hands before the Lord. And I want you to say this out loud and come in agreement with me. Say this out loud. Say, Father, I come to you right now in the name of Jesus. I know I've sinned. We've all sinned. But I know this, you love me so much, you sent Jesus Christ to pay the price in full for all my sin. Right now, I receive Jesus Christ as my Lord and my Savior. Now say this with the authority of a child of God. Satan, get out of my life. Get out of my mind. Get out of my body. Get out of my spirit. Get out of my home. Get out of my family. Get out of my finances. Get out of my future. Get out of my life. I declare the power of his resurrection. Every curse, every family curse is broken and reversed. Joy is mine. Peace is mine. Health is mine. Happiness is mine. Prosperity is mine. It's all mine. It's all mine. Not someday, but today. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Now give the Lord a clap offering and tell him you love him. Amen.